I really hope that they can get here. And I've always called them Jacquis, and he pronounced it Jaquis, and I'd like to apologize to them that they mispronounced their name. No, 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 it was me. It was me. So anyway, we spent two Sundays looking at some of Jesus' harsh sayings, uh, really hard ones, and I would say harsh. Some of them seem impolitic or unkind even, and I hope that we've opened those up a bit to you. But this week, I want to take a look at some of the miracles he did, where something is very odd. Something happens that you do not expect. When I read these miracles, Cammie uh, will tell you that I'm basically a jukebox with legs on it, because people will say words, I'll see images, and a song pops to mind, just like this. And um, whenever I'm reading these, sometimes the old Sesame Street song, one of these things is not like the other, comes into mind. Let's start in Mark 7.33 for just um, a, a dip or two into it. After he took him aside away from the crowd, Jesus put, by the way, away from the crowd, we got to deal with that someday. Jesus always gave privacy to the people whenever possible. Never made a show of it, like the television evangelist or healers would. Jesus put his fingers in the man's ears. Then he spit and he touched the man's tongue. Okay, that's unusual. It's not what one would expect from Jesus, a preacher, certainly not your physician. If you're saying, I'm really having trouble, well, and you go, well, pff, pff, let's get in there. Most likely, you know, you'd be going, I, whew. Now, this is a long time before Pasteur and Jenner and the, and the germ theory, but frankly, we've seen Jesus heal before. We've seen him heal at a distance with no contact at all. We've seen him heal people who didn't know they were going to be healed because somebody asked for their healing and Jesus healed them that he never met them, never saw them, but a healing took place. We've seen him heal when somebody touched his clothes. We've seen him heal up close and personal, sometimes with a touch, like with lepers, which you weren't allowed to do, but Jesus did, and there's a lesson there. Sometimes with just a word, but spit? Spit and tongue touching? I'm very glad they didn't catch on, you know, as part of our worship. Uh, I, I'm, it's it's kind of like foot washing. I'm really, I'm okay. I'm all right with that going away. By the way, Greg, I heard you, and lovely, both you and Gwen did a lovely job today, and I agree with everything you said, and your shirt is cool. I like your shirt, and Tim's wearing a cool shirt too. And if you want to be called out and acknowledged as a brother in Christ, you wear a cool shirt, and perhaps she will. But <clears throat> I'm, I'm going to call you back in the last five minutes, because that's really the payoff for the whole sermon. So if you'd like to think about something else, now would be the time. All right? Uh, so I want to just help you out now. The sudden appearance of unicorns should get your attention. And these are unicorns. At least they're strange flowers in the garden. Gardens that you, you know, plant, flowers that you did not expect. And we need to have a look at this so that we can get a grasp on what's going on. It amazes me. I've never heard lessons on this. When there's an obvious lesson, which you will find obvious in that last five minutes. This event takes place right after that very awkward encounter Jesus had with the Syrophoenician woman, where he, as well as, referred to her and her people as dogs. 
If you remember that sermon, if that is very offensive that I just said that, you really need to go back a few weeks and listen to that sermon and you'll find out the whys, the wherefores, and that maybe it wasn't offensive. Maybe something else was going on. So let's remember the flow of Jesus' life that got him to this right here. We get the imprisonment and then the death of John the Baptist, one of Jesus' dearest friends, his cousin, and his forerunner. We have the feeding of the 5,000 right after, then the walking on water. We have the confrontation with the Pharisees about what is clean, what is unclean, and then the Syrophoenician woman, and that runs right into this, and that's very important. Mark chapter 7, verse 31 and forward begins immediately after that Syrophoenician woman goes home and finds out that Jesus has granted her request. The demon had left her daughter. While the engagement seemed awkward and rough, her result was wonderful. And all she could have asked for, in fact, all that she did ask for, there is a certain fluidity. And there's a word I want you to understand about religion. There's a certain fluidity in the life of Christ that you do not find in religions. I can remember one time, and this is a very, very, um, I would say unusual, but maybe I'm wrong. I would just say I didn't run across this a whole lot. But I and my father and a couple of people were traveling back when I was a boy. And I can remember we showed up at a Wednesday night because you had to go to Wednesday night too, uh, at a church as we were traveling. No matter where you went, you had to go find one. We were there. And they were known, uh, a couple of the people I was with. And so the people came back and said, listen, would you, you know, say a prayer at a certain time? They asked one of the men with us. And he said, sure, I will. Well, the song leader led a song. And then he said, and um, now we're going to have brother so-and-so from so-and-so. They're visiting us. He's going to say a prayer. He sat down and nobody moved for a second. And the, our, our guy stood up. And uh, an elder, we found out later, kind of trotted up to the top and said, uh, uh, we, we always have the reading first. There was no fluidity. There was no movement. We had traveling singers come through that were part of our, our tribe. And they, they volunteered to do uh, songs for us. And we, they, we were told, well, okay, but only after we do the closing prayer. Because we don't want any worship going on. They didn't say that. There was no fluidity to it. Jesus is all about fluidity. You'll see why I say that in a bit. Some people, Mark 7, bring a man to Jesus. Now, this one did not come on his own, though he could see, so he could have, but he didn't. The story says he could hardly talk, which would indicate one of two things. One, he did have a disorder of the tongue, the mouth, the vocal cords, or perhaps more likely, his deafness was so uh, profound that he was not able to mimic any noises that would be language. And so, why did Jesus touch his ears? Why did he spit? Not yet. Mark 8. Mark 8, 22 through 25. We're going to find it again. They came to Bethsaida, and um, the Jaquises read that. And some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. And this guy they did have to bring, because he was blind. He wouldn't have been able to find him. He took the blind man by the hand, led him outside the village. What did he do again? Privacy. Not a show. 
Anytime you see religion done as a big show where everybody's super excited and hyped about the guy on the stage or the woman on the stage, worry. It's rather like if you elect somebody and the next thing you find are 40 foot tall banners of them on buildings, run. That's not, not a good thing. Jesus takes him outside. Took him by the hand, let him out. I like that picture. Took him by the hand, let him outside the village. He didn't tell the guys, bring him. He joined in. He didn't normally do that. This is fluid. When he had spit on the man's eyes, all right, hang on. We're not even prepared. He took him by the hand, led him outside the village. That's, that's startling. And I, and I don't understand why that, they just read that when I was a boy. And they acted normal. This is not normal. And then Jesus, and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? Never did he ask anybody else, did I heal you yet? We did this one. And a man looked up and says, I see people, they look like trees walking around. By the way, that gives us information about this man. He was not born blind. He had seen trees and people before. But he wasn't quite there yet. Once more, Jesus put his hands on... When has Jesus ever had to do twosies? There's a reason. Then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home saying, don't even go into the village. Why would he say that? Because telling people just don't tell anybody had not been working. So now, just don't go around people. That's not going to work either. Jesus knows it, but he's got to try, right? So, he eased this guy back into seeing. He didn't just say, you want to see? See. But he did that with others, like Bartimaeus. We've looked at Bartimaeus before. He had Almighty God standing before a blind beggar, whose name we know, which is very significant, if you understand first century literature. And he says, what would you like for me to do for you? And Bartimaeus goes, well, if I could see. And Jesus goes, okay. And then, it, no spit. No double touching, the guy saw. This man, for some reason, needed to ease back into it. Think about that for a minute. We're going we're gonna to look back at it, but not yet. We're going to go to John. John chapter 9. Believe it or not, we're not done with this. And it's just a shocker. It really is. Verses 1 through 7. Seven, sorry. Ah, <clears throat> no, you won the war. Um, as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. Okay, different guy. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents said he was born blind. We're going to talk about this next week. We're going to do John 9 next week. Now, we're not going to talk about this. We're just going to talk about the, the miracle, all right? Neither this man nor his parents sinned. Okay, oh, got it. Let's just skip forward. Verse 6. After saying this, he spit on the ground. Well, that was a little different. Made some mud with the saliva. Okay. And put it on the man's eyes. That's new. That's, and, and, and he didn't heal him. Yet. He told him, Go. <laughs> Wash in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. All right. 
The man didn't even know he was healed until Jesus was out of the area. What's going on? All three of these are, are very different, but they all involve spit, which gets my attention. And dead when I was an eight and nine year old kid. And nobody would ever answer why. There's always, no, you just have to trust God. I do. But, you know, sometimes he tells us stuff like stories. And maybe we could look at them. I wasn't perhaps the easiest child to raise. I'm waiting to hear if I can hear my mother from two hours away and her amen. <laughs> Although, frankly, my wife can attest to this. My mother seems to have forgotten every bad thing I've ever done. And she has me on a pedestal. There's a wee altar in her room. Not quite. Because she's a monotheist, but so close. Anyway, each case is slightly different. There are variables. He gives different instructions. He touches different parts of the body. The response is immediate, delayed, gradual. It differs. What, what is consistent? Spit and ceremony. Some, and I just love sometimes reading commentaries just for the humor. They are so serious. Some say, well, Jesus' use of saliva was due to the beliefs of his culture. Now that, by the way, does not explain why he didn't use spit and, and other blind issues and deaf issues and the like. But uh, Roman and Jewish physicians considered spit to be a valid treatment for blindness. But the reasons behind that, this is a quote, but the reasons behind that are hard to discern. You think. <laughs> Actually, they're not that hard to explain. People in a desert country go dry. Desert effects on the eyes are serious. Cami was uh, raised in Colorado, and she can talk to you very quickly about snow blindness. And I'm now at the age where uh, if I'm outside in very bright sunlight, when I walk in, I need to stop for a while to let my eyes, because I'm going, our house is a cave, and then eventually the light will come back up and I won't step on things. Well, like there's ever anything on our floor. I won't trip into, I won't bump into furniture. How's that? The dryness of the climate, yes, they did, and they, they didn't, they used eye drops <laughs> that was spit because some eye drops, if you've ever needed them, are medicine to remove you know, allergens or like, but others are a little sticky and gooey to give your eyes time to move and get the sand. I know they did that. They also used balms and ointments made out of some really horrible things. But those were costly, and those weren't always easy to find if you had the money. And they could spoil, or because they were made by people who had no concept of human anatomy and chemistry, they could actually take away your sight, as happened to some very famous people in history. But saliva could have been used to open, you know, dried, caked-together eyes. I get that, but it doesn't really do that much for me. I don't, I don't buy that here. If these men um, were doubting and skittish, I guess I could see that Jesus following medical protocol of the first century might allow Jesus to get close enough to them to touch them and engage them. Now that's a possibility. Because remember, not everybody came to Jesus. Some were brought. It wasn't their idea to be there. And they're going, I don't know. What is, what is he going to do to me? Well, it's possible. 
Now, some commentators have also suggested that, especially in John 9, this one really, I read it two or three times, and I thought, he's serious. In John 9, that Jesus is hearkening here back to creation, where he made us from the dust of the earth, which I believe, by the way. Therefore, he's using mud here as a symbol. Okay, I think that's way too theological, way too metaphorical. You're trying to do layers of meanings where maybe there aren't any. I've seen these. I've seen whole sermons on, you know, the, Bi- the, the Bible is a sword of the Spirit. And um, then the whole sermon was on what part is the hilt, what part's the left edge, the edge what part's the right edge, what part's the point. What part- and I'm going, no, you're overthinking this. That's not what it's talking about. So what is he talking about? We're we're easing into the important bit, Greg. We're not there yet. So, right. I see a complex convergence of things here that amaze me and make me like Jesus even more. And if you don't understand that phrase, I'd really like for you to sit with God and think about it for a while. I think it is easier to love God than like him sometimes. And I think sometimes we need to read these stories until we understand that he, and Jesus is the image of God, is, is eminently likable if you watch how he d- approaches these things. He found a way to approach each person, not just here, but elsewhere, in a way that would not make them frightened. He didn't toss off a healing like an emperor might throw coins into the crowd or candy into the crowd as his chariot goes by. He was literally hands-on when he saw that That was best for that person. He didn't shock the system by healing immediately if it's a person that that would have shocked. Believe it or not, it is best to regain your sight slowly. Whenever you study this, and and I am not in this field at all, but as Cammie will tell you, I have a very noisy brain and I read everything. And I'm always absorbing and I love that, and I hope I can continue to do that. Uh, some who have been blind from birth and then are able to, to see, they've been given uh, corneal transplants or entire eye transplants, they will say that if they need to hurry through their house, they close their eyes because they're familiar. They know the way. This, it's too distracting. They're too much stuff. Uh, in our family, our, our skin slowly melts downward. And a few years ago, I had to have surgery on my eyelids so I could see because it already drooped down. And they're already making another move now. But after a while, I think I'm just going to install blinds just like that. <laughs> but I can remember after the surgery, driving was difficult for the first, I'd say, two months because I'm driving and I'm seeing things over here. It's like, huh? <laughs> it's a bush. Just keep driving. I didn't realize what I hadn't been seeing. So Jesus sometimes gives sight slowly. Some who've been blind from birth are given the ability to see slowly. Those who had it, lost it, and are fearful can get it back gradually. By the way, same with hearing. People that have had no hearing and then get hearing either through cochlear implants or the like, uh, they're startled at first. 
And so the way, and you've seen videos, I'm sure, on YouTube or Facebook about this. And so they have to surround them with mamas, and they have to surround them in a certain way so that when they start hearing, they're beginning to, to understand that that's coming from this person. And they begin, you know, it, it, it takes forever to dial those in. It takes time to understand that what's happened to you is real, and your life is now different. We get that. We really do. Even if you don't get it here, think about ceremonies. We build ceremonies into our lives. My sister, who is uh, a little older than me, she would listen, so I'm not going to go dates and such. She's my oldest sister, and she's my friend. Finally got to be a grandmother this week. And she got the news as she was heading there for the birth, driving from Texas up to another state. Again, I'm just going to try to keep privacy where it belongs. And so whenever she pulled off the road in tears and she texted me, she, um, she told me how long the baby was, that the sex of the baby and what it weighed. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do with that information. Oh, 22 and a half. Well, that changes everything. <laughs> but we, we know we're supposed to get that information, don't we? So we want that. And if we don't get it, what do we do? We ask for it. And we'll even announce it at church if it's somebody here. We don't do that with all new members, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> we'll say, Shirley from Oklahoma is this year, and she weighs this much. No, we don't do that. And by the way, if you're Shirley in Oklahoma, I just pulled that name out of a hat. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Talk to the... Uh, the the Jaquises about how I get things wrong. We have birthdays. Blow out the candles. I guess people are going to still do that post-COVID. Uh, I hope so. We have anniversaries. I always kid people and say, at every anniversary, Cammy and I have, somebody loses a bet. We made it another year. How about weddings? Hey, what's the point? Of all the money, all the effort, all the extra bets and pieces, it's because, well, there's a whole lot of cultural you gotta haves. I get that. Which, and I also reject that. But some ceremony is necessary to mark that things are different. Same with funerals. I was talking before the services about weddings and funerals and the differences between them. Um, funerals are much easier for me, frankly. You don't have rehearsals. You don't have the rehearsal dinner. You don't have to have the gifts, the speeches, the toast. And you don't have to tell people where to be. You know, right? You in the box. Everybody knows where to be. But there's still a ceremony. We don't do funerals. And people, you know, in my family, I've had people ask me in my family what I would like done. And my response is, it doesn't matter. Oh, well, be there. You do what you need to do. Whether that's crying or telling funny stories or hiring a bagpiper or running up and sticking me with a pen to making sure I'm dead. Whatever you need to do. Special times of transition. You know, what do we do? We post it. They got their license today. And you know what you're supposed to do. You're not supposed to go, oh, yay. You're supposed to go, oh, no, because that's part of the ceremony. You know, they, uh, and, and, Latin cultures, the quinceanera, you know, that when, they, when they turn 15, it's a huge thing, massive thing. Graduations are a big deal to most. I, I went to one reluctantly, 
And I went, hey, you know, I'm a Scottish person. I wear a kilt. I don't need to buy another dress. Uh, I, I think I'm done. And from then on, told people, mail it. You know, I'm not going to put it on the wall either. I went there to learn stuff, not to get a piece of paper with your autograph. So I'm good. You know, again, I don't, ceremonies aren't much to me, but I understand that they're necessary. I have developed habits that I think you could call ceremonies in our family, in our life. The way Cammie and I do our evenings, I think you could call that a ceremony. The way I write my lessons, the movement from Sunday into Monday is a purposeful shift in my mind and spirit. And God knows we need ceremonies. We're getting to the important part now. All right? Okay. By the way, Greg's wonderful and he can handle it. He can also dish it out, which is why we don't let him have a microphone often. Bless you. <laughs> and all of God's people say amen. Actually, that yes, Jesus could have healed with a word without even looking at the person. Just, okay, they can see. But instead, God gave us tabernacle, temple, the songbook called the Psalms, the commandments, rules about clothing and life and rituals in the family. And then when Christ came, he gave us baptism. He gave us the Lord's Supper or the Eucharist. He gave us gatherings, whether online, online is as real as in person. Space is a concept, not a reality. Don't make me go physics on you, because I can. It is real. Whether you're listening to the radio or tied into the uh, the internet, or whether you're in a house church, or whether you're on your own and driving. He gave us these. Here's the kicker. Jesus came and showed us about how the different ways he interacted with each person, because that's what the, that particular person needed. Do you understand what the spit means now? It means Jesus adjust to your needs. I was always taught religion was given to us like a big old box. You stay in the box. You do the rules of the box. You do them in order and on the appropriate days. You vary nothing found in the box. And then Jesus comes along and changes everything. And if Patrick needs it this way, that's what he'll do. And if Dan needs it a different way, okay, or Michelle, she has different needs, she's not Patrick, she's, God adjust to us, do you hear this, that's the kicker, we're always told to adjust to God, and so we should, but have you noticed, he keeps adjusting to us, and if that doesn't give you chills, you're not really getting it yet, because we hear this thunderous God marking through. And if you don't do it exactly this way, lost and burning throughout all eternity, please look at the Monday morning series on hell. And fear not. And here comes God instead saying, what can I do for you? That whole package, which is you. We'll never see you again. You're one of a kind in the universe. And Jesus does not cookie cutter Christian instead 
What's, it gonna, what's faith going to look like to Patrick? Living in Middle Tennessee, going all over the place, man. What's faith going to look like to you? Those of you that are in, for example, Moore, Oklahoma. Those of you that are in, um, well, every state but North Dakota. Somebody from North Dakota needs, or if somebody wants to move, I'd recommend North Dakota. <laughs> and then check in, and then you're free to go. Actually, from then on. There's something we do when we train police officers, as I wrap this thing up here in a few minutes. Um, we talk to them about the fight or the flight response. I think most of us know that, so I'm not going to go into it, fight or flight. There's actually a third, though, that we always have to teach, and that's freeze, because freeze is what most people do. They do not fight. They do not run. They freeze in place. Everything forgotten. By the way, we have found that that is true no matter how long you've taken martial arts or how long you've been carrying a weapon. If you do not have the muscle memory that you have done this thousands of times this month, in practice, you will freeze. It is just a reality. If you meet a, somebody that says they're in a special forces and they don't have a callus right here, just smile. They have to practice again and again and again and again. Or they'll freeze. But did you know there's a fourth F? And this is what I, I work with when I work with officers. Flow. This situation, no matter what it is, is fluid. Where's the ins? Where's the outs? Where are the ups and downs? What options are available to you? You've heard me say so many times, do what you can, where you are with what you have, to who is there. The only martial art I've ever seen that does that beautifully is jujitsu, because nobody ever goes to a jujitsu mat with a plan, because there are no plans. It is flow. And the person who loses is the person who didn't move into flow quick enough to move with it. And in life, we have a God who comes to us, not as a monolith, an idol, a list of rules, but as a personage. And who adjusts to us to help us adjust to him. And that's the best news I have. I can give you no better. And I'm not the one who said it. <laughs> and I'm no making it up. It's what Jesus is. So, we can leave our burdens there. Would you please come up? I really appreciate Misha. You may not know this, but she works now. It's like two months ahead. Booking 